Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome into the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is indeed your DFS preview for this week's Mexico Open, a brand new event to the PGA Tour, not a new event in general. Joining me to break it all down, Sia Najat is here. Sia, welcome in. I'm really excited about this tournament, and and if for nothing else, we were talking about this before the show. I, I wasn't super excited about the Zurich as it unfolded. I'm really excited about this one. Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, $44 billion is all it took to buy Twitter. Uh, Elon could have bought this show. He could have bought a lot of things for $44 billion. He's go- he went for Twitter. W- would we have gone for $44 billion? We would have held out for $45 bill, I think. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, big news. I, I suppose that's really big news. Um, I'm interested to see how it changes. I was very excited about the Zurich Classic. Uh, I think it brings up a lot of storylines. I, I like the event, um, and, and it's grown on me. And I think this event's a really interesting field too. I, I kind of I enjoy these events where we have a new course and we don't have any data on it, and we got to mm-hmm. try to decipher and read between the lines. I think it I think it yields a lot of opportunity. Uh, and and these fields in general, you know, a, a field like a Corrales Punta Cana championship uh, a field like a puerto rico open there's a lot of opportunity there so i'm i'm looking forward to this one opportunity abound full field event as we're mentioning uh this event's been around the mexico open has been around for a long time this is the first year it's an official pga tour stop greg correct me if i'm wrong it was part of the pga tour latin america uh schedule for some time and it's kind of bounced around a bit i believe yes this is not the wgc Correct event. Um, so it, it's been around for a long time in Mexico. It's bounced around on some tours and it's finally landed on the PGA tour. And I'm, I'm again, very excited to see what happens. Excited to see the golf course. Excited to see if, you know, if as, as you try to figure it out, are the course comps that you use going to be accurate? Um, I've, I've found a very limited, very limited knowledge on the golf course. And so you kind of got to go architect and grass type, which, uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. So, I'm uh, again, I'm very excited. Well, if you go with architect and grass type, you get Greg Norman and Paz Palum. Those are the answers to those questions. And see, uh, uh, Greg's right. This is not a W. This is not the WGC. It's not at Chapultepec. This is at Vidanta Vallarta, which is in Mexico. It is a relatively new golf course. The the members, or not the members, the vacationers at the resort play this as a par 73. They knocked off two of those, so it'll play as a par 71 for our professionals. They tried to lengthen it as much as they could. I'm not sure what type of test this is going to put up for the big boys. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they're going to try to lengthen it. They're going to try to make it more difficult, but it's a resort course at the end of the day. So I actually like the comps that Greg just brought up uh, about the Puerto Rico Open in Corrales. I think because we don't have any course history here, 
we're definitely looking at course comps. And I think you've got similar courses here where it's going to require some length. It's pretty easy to get around the track, if you will, hit the fairway. If you don't, the rough's not super penal. You'll have some long irons coming in. And then you got the Paspalum Greens, just like the, those other two we mentioned. So I think there's at least we have something to go off of. And I think there's probably value in looking at some of those, uh, the, the Puerto Rico Opens and the uh, Corrales Punta Cana. And I, I would add one more. Mm-hmm. This is a different grass type, but I, I think uh, the Valero Texas Open, mm-hmm. another Greg Norman design, um, along with Mayakoba. Those are the two, El, El Chameleon, I believe I said that right. Those are the two Greg Norman courses on tour. And it seems like the the Valero is um, is more similar in length. It seems somewhat similar in style, at least T to green as well. But uh, um, but then the greens are more like uh, something they find in Corrales or Puerto Rico, um, maybe even maybe even um, Mayakoba as well. Uh, generous landing areas off the tee and the way that Norman does this, Greg, if you were creating a golf course on the computer you just do control c control v on those bunkers around the green baby just keep pasting them over and over and over again bunkers all around these greens that's probably uh one of the bigger defenses at least on the second shot yeah and it adds a element of uh, uh, visual intimidation it can add a challenge although i mean these guys on tour are so good out of bunkers sometimes it's an advantage to be in them but uh, the word they use to describe them is cavernous Mm. which um, I'm not sure what that makes you think of, but it makes me think they're deep. That's exactly uh, so, what it makes me think of. Right. What right. are my other options? I, uh, damp? I, uh, uh, yeah. infected? Dark? Dark. <laughs> uh, strange wildlife? I, I don't know. I think deep is where I land on this. So uh, does that create a challenge? Am I looking at bunker stats? Not too much. Uh, I think a lot of a lot of ball striking stats. You think of, you look at some of the names that that pop up. See, the hard part is Corrales and Puerto Rico get very different fields, which it kind of resembles this one. Without the, it, they're usually not as top heavy as this. Uh, and then Valero seems to be a very similar. I, I think it's a really good course comp. I, it's just a fee, It's more of a field than anything else. I think it's going to be a good course comp. T to green, and then. Um, you know, are, are you get some of these guys who are hitting the ball really well and past Palom greens tend to break a lot less. Uh, see, you know, cor- courses in tropical areas tend to be a little flatter. Mm-hmm. And while some of the reports are there undulating, but fair, I don't think you're going to see racy slopey greens. I, I think they're going to be more on the benign side, which again is another advantage to great ball strikers. I tweeted this out earlier, Sia. I I think they're kind of limited in what they can actually do to take a resort course and turn it into a true test for PGA Tour professionals. I don't think it will be that much of a test uh, depending on wins, but they did. I think they did a good job of like applying yardage to certain holes. There's some really long par fours out here. There's some longer fives. I don't think distance is really that big of a deterrent for a lot of golfers on the PGA Tour. Obviously, it'll help to hit it further, but um, my goodness, there, there are some, there are some big boy holes out there. Yeah. Looking at this on YouTube, I mean, just right off the bat, the 603 yard par five jumps out at me just cause you don't normally see a, a six in, in there, but yeah, 585 of, I mean, there's, there's a, you know, par fours over 500 yards. 
Yeah, it's long. And and you're right. I mean, I think, you know, it certainly favors long hitters, uh, guys who are good with the long, long irons. But, you know, I think everybody's going to be thinking that. So you, I think you have to keep that in mind when you're picking your players, because there are going to be some guys that people will definitely gravitate to, especially in a field like this, where there's only so many names that are sort of generally popular that I think people are going to pick up. I think the 9K range is full of them. So I think, especially when you have a course that is new to the tour, I think you want to embrace the variance. You want to embrace the unknown and you want to embrace the pivot. So I think as we go through some of these players, I'm likely to point out some guys that of course are popular, but also some pivots from those guys as well. All right. Fair enough. Um, I want to get to the player pool, but I forgot to mention the one and done form for the fans is now indeed very, very live in the description. So go ahead, click through there. Make sure you get your pick in because on Tuesday morning when we hit the mega preview pod, we're going to need those picks. And uh, I don't know where they currently stand, but they're well past UC. Uh, they're, they're, they've got their eyes set on everybody else. Oh, that's true. That's true. Although, you know, I, I did feel somewhat at ease because we both had the uh, same one and done last week with Tommy Fleetwood and Garcia. And so we both lost out on that. But listen, we got a half a season to go. I got a lot of victory lapping going on, and I'm just saying it ain't over till it's over. I don't want to give away too much on this show. The chat is very uh, aware of what I might be saying today, Greg, and they're going to use that information against me in the one and done. (laughs) Yeah, we are at a big disadvantage because we give them the information and let them decide. Um, (laughs) I do want to say, and see, it's talking about victory lapping. I did pass the fans this week which I'm very proud of. Congratulations. Um, I'm I'm very happy. I'm hanging in there. I'm in striking distance, but I have some work to do. And I've unloaded a lot of ammo to get within striking distance. Uh, The fans have not unloaded a lot of ammo. So they have a big advantage over me. Uh, And I'm going to have to play my cards very close to uh, to my chest to beat them. All right. Well, uh, I'll try to reveal those cards uh, in just one second. We're going to get into the cheat sheet. We're going to go tier by tier through the pricing. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. All right, let's jump into this cheat sheet. I'll share my screen. Everything you see is from uh, my website, rickrungood.com. And there are five names, maybe not familiar names, above $10,000, but there are five names. John Rahm, 11300 Tony Finau, 10-4. Abe Answer, 10-3. Kevin Na, 10100 Patrick Reed, flat 10000 Whew. 
Let's readjust our expectations for this week, Sia, and start figuring out the top of the board. So let me start by saying I know I just got off on a tangent about playing pivots, and obviously there's a couple pivots here, namely Patrick Reed. This isn't the area or the range where I am going to be choosing to pivot. And, and frankly, once we get to the 9K range, I'll explain why that's the range I'm probably going to start in in most of my lineups. But yeah, I'm not playing the Patrick Reed pivot. I, I, you know, Kevin Nod doesn't appear to be much of a course fit here. So if he's really unpopular, I'll consider playing him because he's certainly in good form. Uh, with that said, the, the two guys I have my eyes on, only one of which I think I'm going to play are John Rahm and Tony Finau. The one of which I'm going to play is Tony Finau because I can't deny that how good the ball striking has been lately, really since the summer of 2021. So we can go back six, seven months. The ball striking has been elite. It's the around the green game and the putter that are giving him a problem here on Paspalum with, you know, I don't know how challenging the bunker play is going to be. The short game is going to be. I think you can maybe get away with having a bad short game here. I mean, we'll we'll have to wait and find out on that. But the ball striking is too much for me to deny. So if I'm going to take somebody up here, I'll take the discount from Rom to Tony Fino. Yeah, I think Greg was kind of alluding to this. These resort courses or these courses by the ocean, Greg, you, they, they can't run them at a th 13 and a half. They, they've got to be slower, uh, which generally I, I when I play slower greens, that helps me with my putting. It helps me with my chipping because there's not as much touch involved. It, yeah, and there's less break. Yeah, uh, which is the that's a huge factor. Um, so speed, the the matching of the line between speed and uh, and line goes down and it, it makes it a little more benign. And I think of the open championship, uh, Florida golf, where the greens get a little flatter. And some of the guys who struggle sometimes with their putting can emerge to the top. And it really starts to highlight ball striking. You think of Greg Norman courses, and I think guys that are hitting the ball really well seem to be the guys that end up near the top. It, it's not like the West Coast swing, where the Farmers Insurance Open got really great short game players do really well. The the Genesis seems to have a mix, but short game and putting, you have to have a good week in those areas to contend. I, I don't know if that's the case here. I think uh, weaknesses in the areas of putting and around the green can be salvaged in an event like this so yeah please. well go ahead no i was just gonna say so as you look over the ten thousand dollar range and you see john rom is nine hundred dollars more expensive than everybody else and you see kind of the cast of characters behind how would you like to start allocating your funds i think this is a really tough range because it, it's hard to go away from john rom right the, his areas have been putting and short game that have really plagued him this year. Although the last two, we may have seen a little bit of an uptick in both, which, which could be a really good sign. The The one question is, does this, is this event going to weed out is John Rahm's ball striking advantage going to be as much of an advantage? You know, I think of, you know, his line at the American express, the putting contest. Right? I think he and, said it's a bleeping putting contest. Yeah. I, I, this is a family show. I try to keep it that way. And and I wonder if this turns into a putting contest, even though I don't think putting is a requirement, like your form putting coming in, I don't necessarily think is a requirement, but I think this event can turn into a putting contest very easily. And that makes it a little difficult to, to predict, but it, Rom's advantages seem to be diminished here and his he's priced way high. But at the same time, I, I have such a hard time. 
I have a hard time going anywhere else other than Rom. I could go Finau as well. I, I could. I think Finau is um, in a lot better form than it looks based on his finishing position. So uh, I'm kind of between those two and my third option, which may be my first option, is to avoid this range yeah. altogether. I don't like Nah. I don't like Answer. Um, not that they can't play well, and I don't like Reed. So I'm kind of in. I'm either going to pay up and go with Rom or Finau, or I'm going to avoid this range uh, entirely. I am not generally a fan of skipping the ten thousand dollar range, but if I was ever going to do it, it would be it would be this week. See, uh, we, let's talk about John Rom in in terms of his price because the the odds, his outright odds are outrageous. Three and a half to one, down from four to one after Daniel Berger withdrew on Monday morning. That does not necessarily align with his DFS salary. It normally, if we've seen guys at three and a half to one, they are much more expensive than this. Getting into the twelve thousand uh, dollar price tag, it's just it's just not something that DraftKings has done recently. I still am fine with skipping the ten k range, but you could argue that John Rahm should be more expensive. Oh, yeah. I think instead of 11,300, you could put him at 12,300. I think in that case, probably nobody would play him because I think his ownership is going to be probably pretty low relative to what people might expect. And if that's the case, I, I may end up playing John Rom. But to your point, yeah, I, yeah, he could be a, at least $1,000 more. I just wonder, though, if we're comparing it with the outright odds, I think you have to ask the follow up question are those outright odds legit? Like if you were setting the, his outright odds, what would you be? And would it be more commensurate with his actual DraftKings price? Because I don't think he has any business, even in this field, being four to one or three and a half to one or even five or six to one, frankly. So to put this into perspective, um, the first event of the year, the Fortinet of the season, I should say, Rom was three and a half to one. His salary was 12,100. That's $800 cheaper same odds. So I, I I mean, I don't know what that says, Greg, but I, I think if you were trying to get exposure to John Rahm, don't bet him, play him in draft kicks. Well, it, it seems like the, um, you know, the form going into the Fortinet was explosive and it was eye popping in this event. The form is not eye popping. There are, so, there are, are plenty of good signs. Um, and if he wasn't, world number two and the clearly the best player in this field. I mean, this would be a guy I'd be all over, right? This, the, the signs of a positive trajectory are all there. Um, but the field, the field strength is not how many guys do you think are actually going to win here? Nobody else really jumps off the page as a, as a clear cut winner here. And I wonder if that has an effect on the odds, the money goes to Rom because, almost process of elimination. Whereas the form isn't so good that to warrant a $12,000 price. Uh, so I, I don't know. I find that, I find that to be interesting. Uh, there's a lot to like about Rom, but I want to know from Sia's perspective, why do you think the ownership would be, would be low? Cause I, I would think the ownership would be quite high on Rom in this range. Yeah, because I think it comes down to roster construction. Nobody's going to want to live in the 6K range here and, and the 7K range. There's actually plenty in the 7K range, but I think people are going to tend to either build balanced lineups or lineups that are heavy in the 9K range because I think there's so many fish in the sea, if you will, in the 9K range that people are really going to gravitate to, which we'll get to in a second. I, I think that's why. I think they're thinking, let me get two of these 9K guys I really like instead of 
the 11,300 ROM and what, what I'm going to have to pair with him with like a two V two situation, which might be like a, a guy who's 7,800. That's just not as palatable as, as the two nine K two V two situation. So the, the next question is, should we be zagging when everybody else is zigging here? Yes. Is there an opportunity to play up, play ROM and get down and get down, get dirty in the six K range and find some, find a couple of value guys who we think can make the cut. Is that, a good way to differentiate yourself? Yeah, it is, assuming the ownership is what I think it's going to be. So, I mean, I could be wrong on the ownership. You might be right, Greg. It might be more pop. But if he is, you know, somewhere in like the 10 to 14 or 12% range, I think then you have to, your eyes have to get big and be like, all right, I guess I got to play John Rom. I don't know that it's going to be that low. So I don't think I'm going to end up zagging his direction. And for the record, you don't have to go into the 6K range if you play John Rom. You can play John Rom. If you're just, you're just going to have to fall down to the 8K and 7K range from there or grab one 9K guy and a bunch of 7K guys because otherwise you are dipping into the 6K range. Okay, well, let's fall into that 9K range because I think this is uh, a natural starting point for a lot of people. Uh, Sia, you mentioned there are some names here that people are going to gravitate towards. Let's start naming names. Yeah, there's five that I really like here, Ooh. and I'm not I'm not going to play all five. I'll tell you. There's probably two I like the most. Gary Woodland starts starts it off. Um, not many issues with his game lately, although he he has been you know pretty erratic in terms of his finishing positions. But and and that's mostly because he can get wild off the tee. I don't think that's going to be a problem with him here because the rough's not super penal. Um, he's been pretty dialed in on approach. I, I like him. Sebastian Munoz is one of my favorite guys in this tournament, and we're bringing up Woodland now. I mean that approach game. Yeah, he's been it's, good. It's, it's pretty great. Uh, the last time he gained on approach in six straight was the beginning of 2020. And it was like five events before four events uh, before the, the shutdown and then two after. So that's how long it's been since we've seen this version of Gary Woodland. Right. Uh, I love that. Sebastian Munoz crushing it off the tee. He can absolutely spike on approach. The putter has been quite bad for him. But if you look at the last three tournaments, maybe he's potentially turning it around. I just love the course fit here. I'll just pass over Cameron Tringale for now. That, that that's a guy that I'm I'm certainly considered. He's one of those five. Aaron Wise, I like. If we think that this Paspalum is going to help some of the poor putters, some of the poor short game, Aaron Wise, the ball striking has been pretty elite for quite some time now. Uh, and then the final guy is Matt Jones. He's nine thousand. I suspect because of that nine thousand price tag, he's going to be popular, just like some of the other guys I just mentioned. Uh, but with that said, uh, a good course fit. Uh, I like him here uh, quite a bit. Matt Jones gains a car across the board. The last time we saw him runner up finish at the Valero Texas open. That's his second top 15 in his last five starts. Okay, Greg, uh, your turn, buddy. We've got a stacked nine K range. There's still one name lurking out there. That's got my attention that Sia hasn't found. Where are you going? Okay. I got, um, three guys. I, I like more than three guys, but I'll give you my three favorites. Um, well, I guess I got to go four. So I really like Woodland. Yep. He, I, he would be like the, probably the darling of this whole field for me. Probably my favorite play here. The price, when the price came out, it was a little disappointing for me. Yeah. Because now I'm in a position where, well, I either start with Woodland. I, I don't know if I can get Rom and Woodland on the same team. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Um, but uh, we'll see. So I really like Woodland. Uh, again, one of his best courses on the PGA Tour. In fact, his best course that's a regular stop on tour is uh, Greg Norman Design uh, at um, uh, TPC, the Oaks course, TPC San Antonio. 
So I really like that aspect. He's played well there. He's playing great so far, as we've highlighted. I think Cameron Tringale is a really solid play. Uh, he He's so consistent. He played really well last week. And I know it's a team event, but if you watch that event playing with Wyndham Clark, he was the rock on that team. Um, as you would expect, Wyndham Clark was a little all over the place at times and definitely contributed, but not like Cameron Tringale. He put the team on his back. So really like, um, and then Chris Kirk has also been just such a, a ball striking stud. I have to go in that direction. So I love those three. Then there's one other name here who I'm wondering if this is your name, Rick, oh but it's, um, I don't know. It's down a little lower on this range. It's Kevin Streelman. Hmm. Um, and so Kevin Streelman missed the cut at the RBC heritage, which was a little uninspiring. He played very nicely at the Valero, Texas open. And again, an important course for me, he played well at the Valspar, the players. It, it's been a really, a fairly consistent run for him. And he's been putting pretty well too. So I, I like that aspect. I love his record at the Valero, Texas open. He's got a, a, a tied six, two years ago. He's got, uh, I guess that was in 19 tied 18th last year. He's got a tied eighth, uh, a bunch of top 15 finishes there. So I, I really like what I'm seeing out of Streelman. I think the course is going to fit. Um, and I guess that round that rounds out my, yeah. So Woodland Tringale Kirk and Streelman, I think are my top four in this range. Okay, so I'm glad you mentioned Strillman. That's not the guy I was looking for, but I, I like him. So what I have up on the screen right now is uh, weighted strokes gains. And I'm using weighted this week because there's a lot of guys who split time on Corn Ferry and all that stuff. And using raw data, you'll get some wonky things. So I, I did weighted strokes gain. Last 20 rounds, John Rahm's number one. Chris Kirk is number two, Gary Woodland, number three, Kevin Strillman, four. So that's three wow. golfers in the $9,000 range inside the yep. top four there. So they're all playing quite well. The guy that I'm kind of interested in here is Cam Champ. And um, there was a comment earlier. I, I, I apologize to who it was, but it was like, oh, this feels like an event that Cam Champ gets his yearly win in, which is like <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Great ball striking week at the Masters. Horrible before that, but like, look at when he wins five cut missed cuts in a row, finds one good ball striking week at the John Deere, wins in his next start, the 3M open. Like, he doesn't need much. And I think distance is the one thing I care about most this week. Interesting. I get it. He certainly seems like a good course fit in spite of the approach play being, uh, you know, a little you know, a little terrible, but it's that this is a cam champ course. I mean, I totally get that. I, I don't like trust him. I just like him. I think there's a difference there, right? <laughs> there's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. There's a big difference. I, I'm very curious to see. I, I can understand the bombers paradise aspect. And I've, there have been a lot of comments in the chat about it. And I'm not a, I'm not afraid of that. I think there are some guys where, distance will really come into play but i'm i'm wondering if this is just a, a solid ball strikers kind of week and you know the guys that are long enough uh mm -hmm. will have some success i i can't quite decide on that yet so what rick what makes you say this is a this distance is the one the your top priority here uh, I just think that the way that they've got this, so what it's 74 something yards, uh, par 71, but they've got some shorter, there's like two short threes and there's a drivable four. So th there are some really 
long holes out there. And when you start getting to like 500 yard par fours, it, it starts to look like a different type of golfer. If you look at the, um, I might have it handy here. The stroke, like the strokes gain metrics for long par fours, um, 495 yards or longer. It, it's, let me see if I have it here. Uh, yeah, so Cam Champ's eighth in this field in terms of strokes gained on on those holes. Tony Finau, John Rom, like it's it's guys that you would kind of expect, and I think that that's going to play a just a large a large role in the way this thing shakes out. And to add to the Cameron Champ argument, if you look at the proximities, one seventy five to two hundred and two hundred plus over the last fifty rounds. He's ninth, 175 to 200, third proximity, 200 plus. So that's great. And driving distance, he's number one. So, I mean, he while his approach play as a whole is, is pretty bad, frankly, like really bad, actually, the, those particular distances, he's absolutely more dialed in than, than the rest of this field. Helps when you hit a uh, eight iron and everybody else hits a six iron or whatever, <laughs> whatever it ends up being for him. He's yeah. so stinking long. Um, okay, let's continue on here because... The next range, I have literally zero idea what to do with. I'm hoping to get some uh, some help from you gentlemen. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, Two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets. And we're back. $8,000 range. Oh boy. Doug Gim, Sahith Tagala, Aaron Rye, Carlos Ortiz. The middle, Davis Riley, Charles Howell III. The bottom, Lonto Griffin, Taylor Moore, C.T. Pan, Mark Hubbard. See ya, buddy. Help, help, <laughs> help, 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 please. With all due respect to all the golf- golfers in this range, I mean, this is this is pretty bad. But I also think this is where you might win some tournaments because what's going to end up happening from a roster construction standpoint, if anything, I think most players are going to dip in here for one 8K guy. And then they're just going to go up to 9K, down to 7K, wherever they want to. I, I think your roster, your lineup is going to be really, really different if you can find a way to justify getting two or three guys in this range. So that's sort of my starting point in terms of talking about this range. There's three names that stick out to me. Sahith Thigala is certainly one of them. Uh, while the ball striking hasn't been great as of late uh, and the putting really hasn't been either, I do think he's a good course fit. Over at Corrales, which again we think is a comp course to this one, twenty uh, second, which is which is pretty great. Uh, he usually beset by like one bad round per tournament, and and that is probably just a product of him being a young golfer. But I do think he can compete and potentially contend here. The other two golfers I like, one is just going to be gross to everybody, but I'll say the non gross one, Charles Howell the third. He's actually sixth off the tee the last fifty rounds, twenty uh, ninth in driving distance. It, it, again, last fifty rounds. I don't think people conceive of. 
uh, or think of Charles Howell III in that context. Oh, and by the way, the long iron play, it, it's not great, but he's made seven out of the last 10 cuts. Uh, so I, I just like how he's making cuts. Um, the ball striking is trending in the right direction, while it's obviously sporadic, as we see here on YouTube. I, I like the off the tee game. I like the driving distance. Um, only issue this year, the really big issue, and this is an issue for a lot of people, is that putter. And finally, this is the gross one. Lonto Griffin at 8,300. There's not much of an argument about Lonto Griffin other than the fact that he's just going to be a nice pivot. So will Charles Howard III, by the way. But the thing, if you if you just want to call some metrics and just try to make an argument, I do think the ball striking has been better than people think. I do think it's trending in an okay direction. It's the around the green game that has really absolutely crushed him. And if we fall into the argument, right or wrong, that the around the green game might be a little bit easier here in spite of all the bunker play and, and that the pass bottom greens is going to contribute to a, a little bit of an easier time with the short game. It might be the time to make your lineup super different and grab a Lonto Griffin. Lonto Griffin, uh, as Sia points out, lost strokes around the green in five straight events. However, the approach play lots of green, multiple strokes gained on approach in one, two, three, Call it four of his last eight, something like that, by quick uh, napkin math. Okay, Greg, we got to find something here in this $8,000 range. What do you see? I actually, I see what CSC is in Lonto Griffin. I, it doesn't really move it for me. I'm not really excited about it. I see the, see the trend. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he put together a great week. Um, but Charles L. III, I'm glad Sia mentioned, he's my favorite in this range. Um, again, you go to Valero, Texas Open, a place he's got two top tens and four starts. I think that's a really good comp. Uh, we'll be interested to see how it plays out. But again, a really solid ball striker on a long golf course. I, I expect these greens to be receptive because they are past Palom. And I, I think that kind of will open up the door to some of the shorter hitters playing well in this range. Not, not short. You got to be long enough. But I, I I think that advantage of six iron to eight iron champ to some of the other players is diminished a little bit because of receptive greens. So I give, I give a guy at a distance like Charles Howell, the third, a real chance. Uh, and there are some other guys we'll get into a little later that I like. So he really grabbed my attention and Aaron Rye grabbed my attention as well. A, a really solid ball striker, a guy that can put it in play, put hit fairways, hit greens, give himself opportunities on the greens. And I like his form coming in. He played nice in Texas at, at the Valero. He played really nice last week with David Lipsky at the Zurich classic. I think Aaron rising in really good form. So, uh, um, and then I think there are some guys you could take a chance on. Um, uh, Carlos Ortiz feels like a wild chance, but he played well at Mayakoba on past Palom. That's the last time he played well. It's the last time he played well, um, and he is going to his home country. It seems to mean a lot to him when he plays there, and he's done well in these kind of tropical venues. So his name stuck out to me. The recent form really worries me, but I could take a flyer on him. I could also take a flyer on Davis Riley because he he does have a lot of, you know, pizzazz, right? He's got a, ability, he's shown ability to pop. Is he going to pop again this week? Have we seen him really turn the corner? I don't know, but it would be he he'd be a a real kind of a dare to be different situation for him. Um, but my favorites to recap would be Aaron Rye and Charles Howell the third.
if I'm reading uh, these correctly, Carlos Ortiz's last handful of trips to Mexico, 2019 Mayakoba runner up WGC Mexico T16 Mayakoba 2020 T8. There's one more, I believe. Yeah, uh, it's recent. It's got to be. It's, it's got this oh, year's Mayakoba runner up finish. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's like maybe there is a comfort level because he's he's putting it together in Mexico and he's it's it's not been good since or around it. But when he plays there, it seems to pop. Yeah. So, again, maybe that's a, a little bit of grass type. Maybe it's the inspiration of playing in his home country. I mean, he's done better in Mexico than Abraham answer has. Oh, yeah. um, it, it seems to go better for him. So, I again, it's a it's a flyer, but I think there might be something there. If you're looking for something in the $8,000 range, there are uh, three different golfers who finished in that big tie for fourth last week at the Zurich with their partner. We mentioned Aaron Rye, Davis Riley also in there, and Taylor Moore was the the final one in that $8,000 range. Uh, 7,000s. I won't read them all. Massive range. It starts with Honor Bonlahiri, Chad Ramey, Adam Long, Austin Smotherman, goes down to Nick Hardy, Matt Wallace, Peter Uline, Andrew Putnam. So see ya massive 7k range plenty of opportunity here how are we spending our funds there's truly a lot of names to really like here so i mean you know i i could probably sit here and talk about 12 or 13 of these guys that i like but i'll narrow it down to like four or five um towards the top i like austin smotherman and adam long quite a bit at 7800 i'll start with smotherman smotherman the ball striking has been excellent around the green is an issue for him, but again, that might be minimized out here in Mexico. Um, results at Corrales in Puerto Rico, not super inspiring, but not awful. I think it's a miscut, made cut, but not a super high finish. Um, Adam Long, I think, is really interesting. Now, real quick uh, there, Sia, because he won this event. Let me get my words right. He won this event when it was part of that PGA Tour Latin America. It was, um, it was not... It was not at this course, obviously. I think it was in Tijuana. Uh, but he he won this event in 2018, so maybe some good vibes on Smotherman there. Now with PGA Tour card in hand. Apologies. Adam Long. Yeah, no, and, and again, you have this up. If you look at his ball striking since January, since the, the start of the calendar year, it's it's been very good. So I, I definitely think he is a good play at this price in this field. Adam Long, ball striking is trending. Short game, very good. But he's made five out of the last six cuts. And I just think he's one of those guys. We've talked about him quite a bit, Rick, in, in the last year or so. He's one of those guys that can absolutely pop for you. And we see when he does make the cut, he does have the potential to finish top 15 like he did at the RBC Heritage recently. Uh, a couple more names that I like Nate Lashley at 7,500. I love that he's coming off a missed cut at the RBC Heritage. Um, pretty poor performance there. But prior to that, he had four top 30s in a row, which included a top 15 at Corrales and a top seven at Puerto Rico. I mean, talk about a, a sort of a good profile from a course comp standpoint. Uh, I like Nate Lashley quite a bit at 7,500. Alex Smalley, um, three missed cuts in a row. I mean, this is definitely more of a dart throw at 7,400, but second at Corrales and then two dart throws. I won't say anything about them. Tyler Duncan at 7,200 rated out really well in my model, a little bit longer than I think people think because he's certainly conceived of as a, as a short hitter. And Robert Streb. Uh, last 14 tournaments, he's got three top tens and seven missed cuts. So you're going to get one or the other, but I do like how his game has been as of late. Okay. Some viable options there in the seven K range. Let's continue to mine into it. Greg, what do you got? All right. Um, a couple names that I really like. Some of them are repeats. One honor Lahiri. I really like, um, 
he has been playing some really, really nice golf, uh, including the Valero Texas Open, which I think is a um, a big and really nice course comp in addition to Corrales um, and, and Mayakoba. He played he, well, he made the cut during Mayakoba when he w- really wasn't playing well at all. I, and I think he's found something with his ball striking. It didn't go great last week at the RVC Heritage, but it's gone pretty well um, but, but in the few events before that. So I, I think Lahiri is a really nice option. Again, that solid ball striker, at least of late, who I think can, can get it done. Um, I, I really like the same guy that Sia said, Nate Lashley. And he might be my favorite pick in this range. Um, Lashley has played well. He also, the one I'll add to what Sia said, is the Valero Texas Open, where he was hmm. tied 18th. And he was hitting the ball really nice. Look, the RBC Heritage can give you a claustrophobic feel. And and sometimes if you're playing there and you feel a little tight, some of these numbers can get thrown off. So uh, he both he and Lahiri, I give him a little bit of uh, wiggle room in that sense. Um, the next guy I'd add would be a Patrick Rogers, who seems to play well in these kind of, uh, you know, Corrales and Mayakoba. His name, as I was going through those leaderboards, his name popped up on a couple of occasions. So I think he could be a nice play, although he's not my favorite by any means. Um, and and Alex Smalley as well, I'm very big on. I, I think this is exactly the kind of course that he will have success on, even though the last three events haven't been great. Um, and then one last guy that I would throw into the ring here, and I probably was a little higher on him. You guys maybe have changed my mind a little bit um, because of the distance, but Kramer Hickok. Um, he has my interest again. The, this course fit seems to be okay. I'm worried. I'm a little worried now that it may be too big of a ballpark for him, but I, I, I'm still, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit on the fence there. I think this could be a good place for Hickok. I was just kind of clicking through some of the like uh, tropical places uh, that were that were popping up and seeing who plays well and just kind of going with with that narrative a little bit here. So the guys in the seven K range, um, Adam Long has played. Let's see, Mayakoba uh, three times, right? T twenty two, T three, T two, Punta Cana. T5, Alex Smalley, Chad Ramey, Danny Lee. These I'm just reading out the 7K names. Emiliano Grillo has been generally awesome on Paspalum or generally awesome on these kind of tropical courses. But see, I don't know if you've looked at his stat profile recently. Uh, what do, like I, I don't know what happened, but something happened. I mean, there, there can't be much lay, level of confidence with someone who's missed five cuts in a row, seven of his last eight. Yeah, where did the ball striking go? I mean, obviously, he still has the game to do it. I mean, you, you see just last October, that's the ball striking we know and love from Emiliano Grillo. But uh, it's not there right now. With that said, I don't have a huge problem with people taking a stab and, and, and trying to p- play him, given his performances on these types of courses. So I'm not sure I'm going to fit him into my build, but I, I actually don't have a big issue with it. Fair enough. Uh, let's jump on down to the $6,000 range and see if we can find some real, real deep value in this field. Starts with Adam Shank, Ben Martin, Kiradat, Afi Barnrat, goes all the way down to who are the min priced options in this field? Uh, Kelly Kraft, Matt Every, Sag Moon Bay, DA Points, and Santiago de la Fuente. He should win just for best name. Oh, 
That's definitely strong. best name. How good is that at the Mexico Open? You love to see it. Uh, Greg, buddy, what do you got? Oh, it's uh, it's a little bit of a challenge. This, this range is a little bit of a challenge, but I think there's a couple of nice plays here. Uh, um, one, I think Vaughn Taylor could be an option. His name has popped up in a couple of these uh, tropical golf course tests. He played well at the Puerto Rico Open recently with a tied seventh. He was tied 25th at Corrales Punta Cana just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and it's been, you know, he's been a, a really nice approach player for the most part. Uh, a, a lot of success in that regard. So I, I think it could be a, a fair event for him. And let me just see quickly how he's done. Yeah, and he's had, that's what I thought. He's had some nice finishes at, at the Valero. Not great, um, but he's made a ton of cuts there, which I, I he's only missed two cuts there um, for a while. So he's definitely on my list uh, as a player of interest. The other who I was interested in, again, maybe distance is an issue here, but I, I thought this could be a week where you see, and he's at 6,400. Where is it's Jason Duffner. Mm, um, Duff daddy. I, yeah, look, it, it he was tied 28th at Corrales a couple weeks ago. He's got a bunch of missed cuts on the on the record here. But there seemed to be something really going with his ball striking it, until recently. And I don't know if these last two events, because we only have two events measured since, um, since he played the Farmers Insurance Open, and it wasn't great. But I, I still think there's a chance he's hitting it really nicely. And and this is the kind of tournament where I I think a player like J- Jason Duffner, at least in his profile, could have success. So again, total flyer. There's not a lot to back up on, but you think of a good ball striker who, who struggles on putting. Maybe this is the kind of place that helps him on the greens. Yeah, lost strokes uh, on approach in Phoenix and the Honda Classic. We don't know what he did at the Puerto Rico Open, Corrales, Punta Cana, or, of course, Zurich Classic. Those are not uh, the measured events with the shot link data. Okay, see a $6,000 range. Depending on our construction here, we might have to dip down. If we do, what do we find? Not much. I mean, this is the first time where, like, I, I it's so hard for me to even like mention some names. Although I really like the Jason Duffner argument, um, I, I think I might take a flyer on him in uh, maybe a, a a lower priced lineup. Um, Adam Shank popped out at me a little bit. I mean, the the metrics aren't going to pop out for anybody here, if we're being honest. But his metrics certainly don't pop to me. But seventh at Corrales. Um, he does flash here and there, um, you know, 14th at the Zurich. I, I actually truly don't know how much of that was him made cut at the API. Um, ben Martin, I think, is interesting to me. It's probably a stay away for me, but I, I haven't fully decided. He's got some good history at the Corrales as well with a second place finish. And as we see here, he made the cut at the RBC. He made the cut at the Valero Texas Open. Zurich missed cut. I'm not super concerned about for obvious reasons. Um, maybe Wesley Bryan at 6,600. I've been on the Wesley Bryan train. It hasn't really worked out. But again, if you have to dip in this range, which I certainly don't recommend, I think Wesley Bryan and maybe even Hank Lebiota are viable. Yeah, the Wesley Bryan train never really leaves the station, unfortunately. <laughs> as much as I as much as I love the guy. How about Patrick Flavin, Greg? He is uh now qu- Monday qualified four times this year, which in itself is ridiculous. Yeah. It is noteworthy that the three other events that he Monday qualified for were Bermuda, Puerto Rico, Punta Cana. Made the cut in all three of those. I'm pretty sure he does not have status anywhere because he's been bouncing around the Latin American tour. He's played some corn fairy events at the end of last year. 
I don't know what his current status is, but at least playing well enough to get into this event. And the three times we've seen him on tour this year, he's made the cut. Yeah, look, it could be a good option. I mean, there's not data that that uh, you can go on here, but that's a lot of the guys down here. So I, I'm okay with it. But I did have one guy I wanted to get your thoughts on, Rick. I thought this might be a, you know, with your distance uh, lean here. What do you think about a Brandon Hagee? Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I scooted uh, around Hagee for a while and I stared long and hard at it. And I was like, what am I going to do with Brandon Hagee? So ninth, this is kind of the profile that I like. Ninth in distance, 208th in accuracy. Like, okay. Right. B- bombs away, baby. Um, makes enough birdies, which is exciting. Cause I think Greg, you, you like this, this could be a birdie fest. It depends on what the, the, the wind's going to do, but man, yeah. It, it's really hard to look at this stat profile and see <laughs> two made cuts since November. Yeah. Uh, and have any, and it's, uh, he doesn't even gain strokes off the tee and he hits it so far. You know what I mean? Like none of it makes sense. This uh, Hagee's stat profile makes less sense to me than like Xander's winning resume. Like it's so bizarre. I I, I don't know what to make of this. I did not expect to hear a Brandon Hagee and a Xander Shoffley comparison tonight, but that's why you listened to the first cut. I, Look, I do want to point I, out. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's just, it, it's 6,400, right? And, and there's going to be somebody. I just, I know there's going to be somebody down here that is up on top of this leaderboard near the top that we say, where did this come from? And so you try to think of some reasons why that could happen in advance. Problem is you feel like you're throwing darts at a board, but if your philosophy is distance is a, a big advantage, this pick isn't, it, it's not far off from a camp champ kind of strategy. Um, I, I mean, obviously there's a huge price difference, but it's a, it's along the same lines where the form hasn't been great. Stats yeah. aren't great, but he has this asset that could be really advantageous. I, I just, I guess I had a little bit of a hard time finding a sign that the swing was in, good order beyond speed. And I don't know if there's enough to play him. Sadly, looking at this 6K lineup, it, it's making me feel more and more like I'm fading John Rahm and Tony Finau. <laughs> Just so you don't have to get here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I did want to point out that this is it's just an interesting almost dichotomy here with Ryan Armour, who's 6,900, and who's had some good finishes as of late, including a 15th at Corrales. He's almost dead last in driving distance in this field. He's like 118 last 50 rounds. But his proximity numbers in terms of 175 to 200 and 200 plus are actually quite good. So to the extent he's not really getting it far out there, he is he is pretty good with the long iron play. So again, we're taking flyers here in the 6K range. But I think he's one that will go completely overlooked and, and could be a, a nice bullet. I actually looked at Ryan Armour too, and he had my interest. Um, and he's played well at some of the tropical courses. The big issue with him for me is that he's only 6,900. And I don't know if that gets me. I don't know if that buys me the real estate to still play my top guys going down to Hagee or Duffner or somebody at 64 that get, that buys you a lot of space. I, and, and so armor, I, I wish he was priced a little bit lower because I, I saw a lot of what you were just saying, Sia, and I like it. I just, I don't know if it fits. Yeah, and he probably doesn't have the requisite upside like some of the players right around him do. So, so I totally get that. Well, 
if there was ever a week for a Sienajad narrative lineup, I think this might be <laughs> I think this might be it. We are going to Mexico. Uh it could have something to do with that. Like like what what in the world could we possibly be going after this week, Sia? So here's what ended up happening. Uh, I am giving a narrative lineup, but it's some it's, it's a narrative lineup that somebody tweeted at me today because I, I have one. Okay, you've outsourced and you've outsourced your uh, narrative lineups on this one. I got to tell you, Mondays are so much more fun because people tweet at me narrative lineups. I usually retweet them for the record. I, they're super fun and super insightful. So my narrative lineup, just so you know, full disclosure, it had to do, of course, with the national animal of Mexico, which of course everybody knows is the golden Armadillo. eagle. Oh. Yeah, well, that's a good guess, actually. <laughs> it's it a golden, golden eagle. eagle. Okay. So I, I took names that had E-A-G-L-E in them and gold in them, and I came up with Sahith the Gala, Cameron Tringali, Graham McDowell, Gary Woodland, Adam Long, and Lee Hodges. The problem with that lineup is that it was 200 short of fitting into the 50,000 range. <sighs> However, I got a tweet from John Markowski, uh, who, Shout out John. Really puts, who really put some time into this narrative. So here's what he says. I'll just read it verbatim. verbatim. Um, at Sienajad, I've got your narrative lineup for the Mexico Open. I hear Mexico, I think resort. I think drinking. Okay, so we're already on the right track. Okay. John, rum and coke. Wait, wait, Steve- wait. Let us guess. Hold on. Wait, they're, oh, good. they're, drinks re- they're drink related? Yes, John Rum and Coke is one. Oh, John oh, Stephen Rum- Yeager, definitely. Yes, Stephen Yeager Meister. That's the second one he had on there. Okay, maybe we shouldn't have guessed. Hold on, the other me- ones yeah. are they're really hard. He had to be like super creative with these. So, John Rum and Coke, yeah. Stephen Yeager Meister, Aaron Rye, Kelly oh. Craft Beer, oh. David David Lipsky Vodka. <laughs> <laughs> How about that, huh? All right. right. Double Y at the end. And we finish all of these drinks off with a Chaser Seifert. And we got 2700 left to play with. If you don't want to play, there we go. If you don't want to play the Kelly Craft beer because he's been priced and he'll probably miss the cut, you got 2700 to play with. You can upgrade if you want. But that is a narrative lineup right there. John wow. Markowski. Wow. John Oh, John, okay. John Ramen Coke, Steven Jagermeister, Aaron Rye, R-Y-E in this scenario, Kelly Craft Beer, David Lips, Sky Vodka, and we finish it off with a Chaser Seifert. Oh, I think you're out of a job, Sia. That's good. <laughs> I hope so. I want these ideas to, to come in. I'll be honest with you. John will be on the next show giving us a narrative lineup. <laughs> Just popping one at the end. That's pretty good. I like that. Um, That's fantastic. Oh, Jacob. Oh, Jacob just came up with a really good one. It's also 6K, though. Sang <laughs> sang mm-hmm. Blue Moon Bay. <laughs> That's good, Jacob. There's there. probably like 20 others. I'm going to be up to like two in the morning coming up with more drinking-oriented lineups. Yeah, very good. Um, all right, do you have any first-round leaders for us? So I do, but just keep in mind that it's Monday. We don't have tea times. I suspect the afternoon winds are, are going to pick up. At least that's what I'm hearing. So morning tea times are probably what I'm going to be aiming for, and I don't know if these guys are going to be teeing off in the morning. I'll throw out five names anyway. Sebastian Munoz at 40-1 to 1 because – High first round leader. Uh, Adam Long, 65 to 1. Matt Jones, 65 to 1. Sahitha Gala, 75 to 1. Lee Hodges, he's good for a round, 110 to 1. There you go. Just like that, you've got a narrative lineup, just like that. You've got first round leaders. Anything else, gentlemen, before we get out of town? I think you should get weird with your roster construction here. At least if you're building five lineups, make sure two or three of them are weird and using price ranges that are atypical, as in not just 
not just being in the 9K, living in the 9K lineup in the 7K. Like, grab some of these 8K guys, grab some some long shots that nobody else is playing. This might be the week to do it. Yeah, this it just feels like opportunity to me. And I know on Wednesday I'm going to have, uh, you know, winning lineups all over the place. But you got to get a little uncomfortable here. You got to, you know, dare to be different in this one. And um, when you have limited options, sometimes it can steer you into the the chalk lineup mm-hmm. very easily because you feel better about it. But you don't be afraid to find something wacky, like Sia said, to hang your hat on and uh, and and get a little leverage. Don't be afraid to get weird. Don't be afraid to fill out the one and done form right now because on Tuesday morning when we go live for that mega preview, uh, it will close and you will be at the mercy of all the other people who voted and you didn't and that will feel very sad for you. But I think that'll do it. Big thanks to producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Sia Najad available on Twitter at Sia Najad. Greg Ducharme at the real GFD. Greg, do you think, uh, does someone have at Greg Ducharme and maybe Elon can like muscle it back for us. Mm. Yeah. Um, now that we have a new owner, <laughs> I think we can work on that. But um, I think I'm going to stick with the real GFD. I like it. Yeah. Somebody definitely had at Greg Ducharme, I believe. Um, I, again, I made this a long time back in the Ice of Fire days. Oh. So it, it was a very similar time frame. But um, I, 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 I'll, I'll think maybe I'll send uh, Elon a, an email. Yeah, yeah, definitely, I'll, definitely tweet at him because nobody's doing that right now. No, I'll right. just text him. I'll just text him and say, "Hey, we need at Isafire for uh, for Greg." Get that <laughs> I'm sure I'll take. Yeah, it. that one. That one gladly was taken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. Catch you next time.